Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly here with my good friend, Jeremiah Stringer, the king of Kentucky backpacking. And we are ready for a really good day today, man. Absolutely. We're here. We're at Mono's Coffee Shop, our favorite local place to record the podcast at. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Great coffee, great atmosphere. Yeah, and a couple of special guests today that have done something insane. Yes, and I can't wait to talk about that because it's going to be a good one. It's going to be good. And uh, But Jeremiah, I was just curious, man, like, how are you doing? Well, it's hard to complain. Uh, We got school starting next week. I can complain about that, but... You know, I'm never man on payday is the thing. Yeah, so, I can imagine. As long as I keep showing up, I'll keep getting those checks, and uh, I think the world will keep spinning. Cold, keep on molding those young minds. Yes. I was um, I was supposed to go out with Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir, on my kayaking, but, uh, yep, we officially canceled that because, for some reason, we've had heavy, heavy, severe thunderstorms. I thought, kayak, bad idea. I got to tell you, today at this coffee shop, I was here this morning around 7 o'clock in the morning, uh-huh. and I was watching a river run through this parking lot. I'm not even kidding, like probably a foot deep, uh-huh. and it was like coming over the edges of these bushes back here and filling this all up, and it looked like a toilet bowl at the end of the parking lot where the drain is. It was just circling it. I believe it's, you, man. It was crazy, man. I've never seen anything like it. I drove about an hour, hour and a half up here to uh, see you in person today. Yeah, man. And there was a lot of potential hydroplane areas, a lot of flooding. But you got your truck back now. Got my truck back. It's running. It's out. We got. To, I got a, car, carbon, a carbon copy of you, man. I know. you're the. It, it's like we're yin and yang because you're the black and I'm the white. Uh-huh. So... That's pretty We're cool. rocking it, though. I Representing like it. the GMCs. I like it. I like it. Well, let's talk a little bit about our guests that are coming on today. One guy's been on this show at least once or twice now. Yeah. Uh, Brian Carpenter, we may know him as The Flash. He's also the guy who makes those amazing trail signs from Smoky Trail Signs. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just get on Instagram and start looking around, and you will find those signs pretty much everywhere. They're pretty amazing. Um, but this past week, he just got back from doing the John Muir Trail, with his buddy, yeah. Ben Miniger. I hope I'm getting that right. Am I getting that right? Yep, that's right. That's it. That's it. If you heard that voice, that was Ben himself. <laughs> also, trail name Guru. So I, I'm looking forward to hearing where that name came from, like why he's <laughs> called Guru. So uh, without further ado, let's bring Brian and Ben in. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah? Doing great. How are the knees? Sore. <laughs> 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 what about you, Ben? Did you have uh, any issues? Because you all did the JMT, literally the fastest that I've ever met someone, like in person. <laughs> you all did it faster. Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because we had plans to do it even faster than that. But I think the reality of the difficulty of the trail kind of set in maybe halfway through day one. <laughs> we were already sort of thinking about pushing it back a couple of days. But uh yeah, the, the knees feel okay. It was a, a little rough, um, I think, from the last day coming down uh, Mount Whitney Trail. 
but um, yeah, feeling good now. Well, I know most people when they hike this trail, they they go. It's it's usually twenty to twenty five days minimum for most people who do this trail. And I was looking on Brian's Facebook, which I don't know why I was even on Facebook. I barely ever get on Facebook, but I happened to be on Facebook, and Brian's post came up, and it says day seventeen, and it shows Mount Whitney, and I'm like. They hiked yeah. that in 17 days, and then we're talking to Brian at lunch. And Brian, will you tell uh, tell everybody what you told us? Yeah, it was it was really more like 15 um, mm-hmm. because we took yep. we took uh, two days that were just like seven and a half mile days to get over Kearsarge Pass to get down to Onion Valley, take a zero day. So we had a had a, a Nero followed by a zero followed by another Nero. Um, so it was basically two days off. So we yeah we kind of did a little bit. <laughs> That's yep. <laughs> crazy mileage, man. That, and it, that's not bad mileage if you're like hiking in Kansas. But like we're talking mountains, like real mountains, not like the kind of mountains we have out here in the east. We're talking like 13, 14,000 foot mountains you guys are hiking over. Um, what, uh, they, they call them passes out there. Which pass was the most difficult for you guys? Uh, I'll let you go first, Ben. I thought at least it's it's funny because if you go depending on whether you go southbound or northbound, I think the difficulty of the passes changes. So if we we went southbound, and for me personally, it was probably Mather Pass um, because we did we chose to do what's called the Golden Staircase and Mather in the same day. So I think it ended up being like it was like thirty five hundred thirty six hundred um, feet of climbing. Kind of, one section right after the other. Uh, but we both agreed, I think, that the Golden Staircase wasn't as bad as everybody yeah. thought it was. But then we were like, hey, you know, let's let's do Mather. So we, we pushed up Mather. And Mather was just, it was it was pretty steep. Um, and this interesting way that they do trail maintenance out in California, it sort of put these giant square boulders in the middle of the trail that are, are kind of designed to be like steps but they end up being, you know, you're doing like a full, like if you've ever done like a step up at the gym, yeah, and like a, bo- a box, you're doing like, <laughs> you know, just hundreds of step ups one after the other up this, up this trail. And, oh. and Mather was, Mather was pretty rugged to get to the top. And uh, the switchbacks are, are super long out there. I think probably to accommodate like horses and pack animals. So you're kind of just going back and forth on these switchbacks, kind of climbing over these big steps, just thinking like, when is this going to end? Um, so for me, it was Mather. And I think maybe after that, we were a little more acclimated to the altitude too. Yeah. Yeah. And the closer you got to the pass, like it seemed like the further away the switchback yeah. would take. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where are we going? The pass is right like, there. <laughs> but Mather was probably, I mean, that was, that was one, definitely one of the biggest ones. Um, I thought Muir Pass coming down was hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you get up to the top and you have the Muir Hut, which was really cool. And then you start down, and immediately you're going through like six switchbacks in the snow. Oh and man! So that was that was actually kind of fun. And then in July, in July, and yeah. then like yep. where the snow's melting, like the whole trail became like a creek. And then you're trying to find the trail, and and uh, but going up Muir Pass was cool because there was a wild coyote, um, like a young coyote, like just hanging out on some rocks, howling, and it was it was pretty cool. Wow! <laughs> Did you all have to take any special gear due to the snow? Uh, we both bought some spikes, like some micro spikes, but uh-huh. we ended up sh- shipping them home. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. The snow was just minimal. So, Well, Ben mentioned there about the horses. Are there any parts of the trail that horses can't go on? And did y'all feel like 
the fact that it's rated for horses and equestrian life made it better, worse, or you're pretty much neutral. It didn't really matter. I don't think. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Brian. I don't think it really mattered. Um, other yeah. other than sometimes you're just dodging horse poop on the trail. but uh, <laughs> It wasn't like the Sheltoe Trace where it tears up the trail really bad? or No, because the trail is just nothing but rock. Ah, um, that makes sense. And and a lot of a lot of times, like I mean, I mean, our legs were just like filthy because like you're you're every step you take, you're just kicking up dust and dirt and and um, but yeah, it was just like little pebbles, big pebbles, boulders. Um, it was just every beach beach sand. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Sand. A so, lot of it just felt like you're walking on the beach. Yeah, but yeah, I think we saw I think we saw horses pretty much on every section of the trail, whether they're allowed in the whole the whole tr- corridor. I'm not. I'm not certain, but we did see a lot of horses. Yeah, and there was a big a big horseback group that came out um, that passed me on the on the way to Guitar Lake, and and it was funny. I I was almost to Guitar Lake, and I see like this weird like tall like slender tent set up. I'm like, what is who who is camping in this thing? And then the closer I got, I'm like, oh, this is for people to use the bathroom in. Oh, nice. Oh, and I'm like, nice. so, so it was like this group that. It's like a base camp kind of setup. Yeah, this group yeah. rode in on horses, and then they had these other horseback riders with like a caravan of horses behind them carrying supplies. And I'm just like, I didn't get this memo. I'm carrying all my stuff. I could have had a horse like carry everything. That would have been awesome. Dude, I just did uh, this loop around South Dakota, around Mount Rushmore, and it was all like horse trail as well. And every time I seen a horse, I was so jealous. You know, those giant steps that Ben was talking about, they had those, you know, you're stepping up two or three feet and it's tough. But I was like, I can't imagine. I guess it'd be a lot easier, you know, you were at what, 13, 12, 13,000 feet, having a horse to carry your stuff. Yeah. That would have been a godsend. Yeah. That would have been incredible. Okay. So Ben, I have to know. So Brian's been on here before, so he's given this history of Flash. We all know why he was given the name of Flash and it's a great story. And if you haven't heard it, Go back through our podcast, find it, listen to that story if you're listening right now, and find that story. It's fantastic. It's hilarious. But we've got to know, Ben, where did Guru come from? Yeah, sure. I think mine's mine's definitely less funny. Um, but <laughs> so I, so I did the uh, the Colorado Trail last year, uh, and that's actually where I met Flash. We met right before Twin Lakes and like this um, crazy rainstorm. But it, 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 if uh, Brian has told you last year was a really bad year for um, lightning and storms and hail. Yeah, we heard the stories about that. Yeah, so I mean, it's just every afternoon and every night just getting kind of hammered with rain, cold rain and hail and wind. Um, So it was pretty late in the trail. I I didn't have a trail name yet at that point. Um, We were in the San Juan section near the end. I think it's like 40 or 50 miles where you're above 12,000 feet. Um, so there's literally in Colorado, if you've ever been there, there's just, there's no tree cover. There's like, there's nowhere to hide if a storm comes in. Right. Um, and it can be pretty scary. And a lot of times you'll, you'll kind of start lower and go up over a ridge. So you really can't see what the clouds are going to look like uh, until you get there. So we, we uh, <laughs> sort of down at the bottom of this area still probably 12,200 feet with a group of people, including a guy I had just met named Shuffle. Um, his trail name was Shuffle, I believe. And we 
we're like, well, you know, the sky's blue. Let's let's hike over this area and, and you know try to get down. And so it's this big climb down into sort of the Silverton area. So it's probably about you know 16, 17 miles. And so we we started going up over this section. And as we got to the the top where it sort of flattens out for you know five or six miles of just flat terrain at about twelve thousand seven hundred feet, the sky was just pitch black, like the oh. scariest, most ominous, terrifying looking storm clouds you've ever seen. So there was a three people, including this this dude um, shuffle, and we just looked at each other and we're like, let's just run. So we <laughs> we started running uh, in our packs across this this area this flat area, um, just thinking, you know, we'll be able to beat this storm. But the, the minute that we got to the highest spot, which I think was on seven, the, the hail and lightning and rain just like opened up on us, just crushed us. Ugh. So I'm like standing in the lightning position, uh, with my, you know, tiny little tent, like wrapped around myself, didn't have time to set it up, just getting like pelted with rain and the lightning and, thunder it was just it was you know flash and boom sort of at the exact same time so you knew that the lightning was like right on top of you and it, it lasted for probably about 45 minutes i'm just like in my tent holding my in reach device like should i text my wife and let her know that i love her like you know it was a great crazy situation and uh so finally the storm passed and we, we still had you know we survived obviously and had you know five or six miles or so to get down and it's this gorgeous section um, that sort of drops, I don't know, probably 2,000 feet or so on these switchbacks, maybe 1,000 feet down into, um, I think it's called the Elk Elk Creek Drainage. It's one of the most beautiful, iconic sections of the Colorado Trail. And I was hiking with this guy. I, I, I think his name trail name was Shuffle, um, and he was a geology student uh, in college and an REI employee at the time. So he was just explaining to me in detail about all these rock formations and it's a super cool, you know, two, three hour conversation with this guy as we walked down this really cool section. And um, we camped together that night and the clouds had sort of cleared away and it was super peaceful and calm. And, um, you know, to so just go from like this crazy, scary storm to super calm. And we just ended up start talking about gear. I'm sort of known for having a small backpack and very minimal kit. And uh, talked about gear. And he yeah, was Brian's like, oh, over man. here, eyes got real big, and he's going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll unpack yeah. that. Yeah. So he, he wanted to talk all about my gear, and, and uh, he was like, you're, you're the guru, man. You're the gear guru. You're guru. And at first I was like, oh, you know, I don't really want a trail name associated with, you know, gear necessarily. But it was just a cool a cool day, you know, one of the most memorable experiences of my life so far of just going through that storm yeah. and hearing, you know, like the ground shake when the thunder was coming. It was just super intense. And then this super calm, cool conversation with this guy. So it's really just, it's more of a trail name just associated with a really cool memory. Um, and it, it, it has stuck. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. That is awesome. Yeah. I love, I love hearing where people get their trail names from. It's just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I, I I've actually never gotten one, which is good. I'm I'm cool with like <laughs> I'll just be hi. I'm John. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Perfect. You give it a little more time, man. I'll give it time. We'll They're see. All, I feel like they all have to be organic. Has to be. You know. I mean, I mean, you're Yosemite Sam over there. Yeah. So. Yeah, given. Yep. Given, not taken. Yep. So y'all met on the Colorado Trail, Brian. Yeah. 
Yeah. Will you tell us about that? Because it's funny how backpacking works. I met this guy on my first trip ever, and it's through the Smokies on the AT. His name was Hatchet Man. And then the next year, we started the long trail together. And I didn't know him at all. I just backpacked. I spent two days with the guy. And then all of a sudden, boom, a year later, not even knowing him, I am flying hours and hours away and yeah. doing this trail that I'd never even heard of. So take me through, and then how did you all even come to the point where you're doing this trail together? Yeah, so last year on the Colorado Trail, um, we were it, – it was coming out of Leadville – um, going toward Twin Lakes, and Twin Lakes, um, once you get right past it, is where the collegiate east and west split. And so the west, um, you would actually go um, when you're hiking the Continental Divide Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, you would take the west route. And the east route, um, the west route's known more for, like, a little bit higher elevation, mm-hmm. better views. The east route is slightly lower elevation, but the climbs still suck. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> Don't they always? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so... I had, I had gotten into, like, got past Leadville and heading in toward Twin Lakes, and it's just, like, raining all day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm walking down trail, and I, I see this guy just kind of sitting on the side um, eating a snack. And I was like, hey, what's up, man? And and it was Ben. And he was like, hey. And, and so I'm just like, I'm I'm Flash. What's your name? And he's like, Ben. And cool. So I, I keep going. And, and then he catches up, and we're going down. Um, I think we kind of get turned around by, a, like, a pond. Like mm-hmm. we were both using um, gut hooker far out or whatever. And, and we're like, this, I don't think this is the trail. And so we're kind of backtracking a little bit. And, and then it was like random. Like I see a crock laying on the ground and I'm like, that looks like my crock. <laughs> so I, so I, I take my backpack off and I look, sure enough, that was my crock. Wow. But then my other crock is missing too. Oh no. I'm like, oh man, like not my crocs. Like they're my yeah. ET crocs. They're, they're magical. They've been on every trail. So I uh, put this croc in my backpack, can't find the other one, and we and we make it down to Twin Lakes. And Twin Lakes is basically a general store, a small motel, um, and a food truck. And then a, an empty sheriff's car with a dummy in it to <laughs> keep people from speeding. That's great. And uh, so it's, it's raining on us. It's, it's kind of cold. We get to this food truck and and we both order a burger and we're sitting there and just kind of shivering and trying to eat our food and and I, I look over at Ben I'm like I'd go in half on a hotel room if there's something available you interested oh and he's like he's like yeah and it's like you know I just met him like 30 minutes ago uh-huh. let's, but, let me just add let me just add kind of shivering is an understatement we were both <laughs> shivering like crazy it was so cold oh yeah, that's so rough cold. that's rough <laughs> so so we go and. Uh, we we go over to this little motel and there's there's no vacancies so we're like all right and go back into the general store and I'm like do you guys know of any like any place close by that might have an opening and the girl working there just gave me a phone number she said you can try calling this guy he has a couple cabins so I called this number and the guy's like yeah I got one cabin left but I haven't cleaned it yet can you wait and I'm like yeah how much and I I really didn't care like uh-huh. I'm just like there's two of us like I can I, it's it's cool. And he's like, 120 bucks. I was like, done. Like, and I'm like, can you pick us up? He's like, yeah, you know, give me about an hour. And so we we see two other guys in the in the general store. It was uh, um, Spice Rack and Ace, and I just met them the day before. And I'm like, 
hey guys, I got a cabin. Would you guys be interested in going in on it with us? And they're like, yeah. So I'm like, sweet. And like, now it's like split four ways. Mm. And then uh, I send a message to a couple other people that um, were kind of hiking close by. And I'm like, hey, I think I got us a cabin. Y'all in? And they're like, well, we really need to eat. We'll let you know. And I'm thinking it's two more. It's a six-person cabin, so six people, perfect. Well, it turned into eight of us. Uh-oh. And it it was uh, it was awesome. Like, So this guy comes picks us up in his pickup truck. Uh-huh. There's four of us that he's giving a ride to. And this truck, I've never seen so many, like, McDonald's, like, fish fillet wrappers <laughs> in my life. Like, there's, like, empty McDonald's. Fillet of fish wrappers? Yeah. And, like, really? There's, like, all the, I mean, the whole truck is full of them. And... Like, the back was full of, like, junk and stuff. So we're, like, throwing our backpacks on top of, like, just trash and everything. And then we're all squeezed in, like, within all these, like, McDonald's wrappers and cups. All eight of you? No, just four, there were just four of us then. Oh, okay. The other four end up, like, hitching in. But it gets to this cabin. And, I mean, it was just, like, tiny. And it was rough. <laughs> I, I asked the guy, I'm like, how come you're not on Airbnb? He's like, because people kept giving us bad reviews. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So that's I'm awesome. Like, I'm like, yeah, this could be perfect. That's perfect. So uh, we, we get there, and, and uh, it ended up being eight of us in this little cabin, and, and it was just such a fun night. It was one of those moments. I, I was telling Ben on the trail, it's like, I'm not a dad, but, like, it was one of those, like, proud dad moments when you see, like, all your kids experiencing this thing, like, that I experienced on the AT when a bunch of us would just shove into, like, a tiny hotel room or whatever and just all the camaraderie. And I'm seeing everyone just kind of, they don't know each other very well, but, like, in this moment, like, Who cares? We're, all best, we're all best friends. Yeah. And, like, I'm just, like, sitting back, just, like, like getting a little, like, teary-eyed, like, this proud moment right here. Well, like, you were probably the old guy, weren't you? Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> worth the dead. You're yeah. the 40-plus guy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, not not old by much for what the, that crew. Yeah. Well, other than Spicer, Spicer X a kid. I mean, he was 20. He only got carded once. <laughs> but now he's uh, he's loving the AT because he can drink. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> He's of age. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun moment. That was when I first met Ben. And, and uh, he, he did a collegianist as well, but he kind of got out ahead of me. And then we, we would meet up. Uh, different places and then like right outside of um i think lake city we were both there at the same time and then uh coming out of lake city into the san juans like it was when we got blasted by the blasted yeah. by the storms and and then uh made it into silverton with some with some good uh hostile moments so those nice. those special yeah. moments that build that camaraderie i mean those i feel like it that is one of the most common uh I don't know, like things that makes you fall in love with backpacking. It's not, it's not always like the experiencing the beautiful views, the sights, and the like the meditation aspect of just putting one foot in front of the other and zoning out and going or experiencing nature. A lot of times for me, especially like whenever I was on the long trail and we had this kind of like little trail family, it was, you know, it's 38 degrees out, the... There's a drip in the corner of the shelter, but there's 16 of you packed in there and everybody's shivering and you're wrapped up in your sleeping bag and somebody's over here heating up some spam in, on their stove and then somebody else is making coffee and you're sitting there talking and you're being miserable together. Yeah. And I don't know, there's something special about it that I feel like there's very few places that people get that. I think a, a common place that people get that is military, and that's what creates such a brotherhood is going through those 
um, experiences it's, together. It's amazing what suffering together yeah. does to bring people together. Yes. Yeah. It creates strong relationships. And yeah. look at you guys. Like yeah. after living through all those things together, here yeah. you are turning around and, and suffering more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you masochist. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me just add to that story because I, we, this was the Colorado Trail was sort of my first long through hike experience. I had done a 70 mile uh, through hike near where I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, called the Laurel, Laurel Highlands. Highlands. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a great little trail, but it's nothing like the Colorado Trail. It's sort of my first time out west. So I had had, um, coming out of Breckenridge, it's about 100 miles in, a pretty kind of scary experience with, with altitude. Uh, and I was just, you know, really questioning, like, can I continue to do this trail? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going cautiously, you know, but just after that experience, not super optimistic and, and confident in myself to finish. And so we were getting poured on walking into twin lakes and it ran into Brian. He was just like, he was super inspirational to me. Like from the first moment that I met him, it probably stuff that he doesn't even really remember. Um, but he was super humble. And I, I just remember asking him like, have you done any through hikes before? And he's like, yeah, you know, I've done a couple. And I'm like, Oh cool. You know, what, what have yeah. you done? And he just runs down this incredible backpacking resume of, you know, the AT and the Chateau and Superior. And, and he just had sort of a, just even in his stride and the way that he was walking through this, like, I mean, the rain in Colorado in the summer is crazy. It's so cold. It'll go from like 90 to 40, like immediately. And so we're getting just crushed by this cold rain. And he was just super confident and, you know, was hiking super fast. I remember just trying to keep up with him. It's because I'm, I'm right. Can I tell you, <laughs> I am, <laughs> I am right there with you, Ben. I did the Sheltoe with him, and I can yeah, tell you, fast. there were times I just said, "Okay, I'll see you at camp." Like he was gone. I'm like, I'm not going to try and keep up with this guy right yeah. now. Like he's got those long legs, and you would think he's like for people don't Brian is a big dude, and yeah, and yeah. he gets out there and it's just like he becomes like super athlete on the trail. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all that's all going through my mind. I was like, this guy, this guy's a crusher, and he's super experienced and confident. And I just remember he was like, you know, we're getting to town, and we just like, you know, we hiked. It's just one of those like sections that seems like it never ends. But you know, we did five or six miles through this cold storm and made it down to town. And um, so I just, he was just inspirational too. And the more we talked, you know, about trails and you know his approach, and I just remember he he told me, and I'm sure. Brian, you probably don't remember saying this, but you said that you have like a, when you choose to do one of these trails, you have like a do or die attitude towards it. And like that has, that has stuck with me so much. So, and you, you asked, you know, how we ended up doing the JMT together. It's just like, I, I would sometimes hike ahead of Brian on the CT and we would go through these kind of crazy experiences up high in the mountains. And it was all new for me. I'd never been out West and, and Brian would always show up to, my campsite like you know two hours later and we we talk and just kind of organically formed a friendship through that so when uh you know we were talking about next adventures um he was the first person that that popped into my head mostly because i was just like yeah i'm gonna ride brian's coattails to the, to the finish here so. <laughs> it, was the, it was definitely the other way around on the hike. <laughs> yeah but it was cool because uh ben and i finished um the Colorado trail together. And, uh, we, mm-hmm. we did the yep. last, uh, we, I made it to, to where he was camping that last night and there were no flat camp spots left. So I was like yep. on a slope, like down the bottom of my tent and slept like garbage, but we got up the next morning and, and hiked that last 12 and a half miles together. And, and it was, it was super cool just finishing up and, and sharing that experience. And, 
um, we had other friends that we met on trail that were finishing either that day or the day after. And so we, we had this huge like family dinner at a restaurant in Durango. You put that picture online, didn't you? It's, it's one yeah. of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just, the uh, the friendships made and, and just all the different people and they're all special and, and be, being able to keep up with all of them like over this last year has been awesome. So it's, um, it was definitely one of those trails, like Colorado trail definitely felt like the Appalachian trail to me, um, with the relationships and the friendships. And, um, so having those special friendships at the end of that and, and just keeping up with those people throughout. And, um, so, uh, Ben reached out to me early this year and was like, what do you think about the, you went to Highline trail? I'm like, and I'd already been thinking about doing the, the long trail, um, this is the 10 year anniversary of, of doing the Appalachian trail. And I wanted to kind of get back on there and do something else. And so I'm like, long trail would be a great way to celebrate that. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm like, well, the Uinta would only take like 10 to 12 days. So I can definitely squeeze that in too. Cause e- either way, it's not as long as I'd need to like that. I took off for the Colorado trail. So that should be good. And, and, uh, so we were kind of looking at that and Ben was sending me some maps and PDFs on it. And, kind of getting excited and then one day out of the blue he was i think it was back in february he's like what would you think if i entered the lottery for um john muir trail i'm like sure he's like would you would you want to do that and i'm like well yeah of course like who, who wouldn't want to do the john muir trail and uh so he he entered and like i think within a week or two heard back he's like yeah we got it Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, and I think it's like a 6% chance or something to get a permit. It's something, something crazy, just super lucky to even get a permit. So Yeah, and it, it started at uh, Tulumne Meadows. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply one more time and see if we can get Happy Isle. And I'm like, sweet. So he applies again and gets it again. So like, <laughs> it's like two separate weeks, but it's also at uh, Tulumne Meadows. So we're just like, all right, that's where we're starting. So Yeah. And uh but we had a we had a choice of weeks. We could either start the last week of July or, or the last week of June or the first week of July. So we we opted to push it back just to uh, give the snow more time to melt. Yeah. So what was the difference in the starting points? There wasn't. Uh, okay. Oh well, Happy Isle, like you're actually starting in Yosemite <clears throat> and climbing up out of Yosemite Valley. Uh huh. Um, that would include being able to do Half Dome. Uh huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, but it was like they only gave out. It was like a very small number of permits. Well, you know, that's such a busy park, anyways. So yeah, and we were lucky. Like the day before we started, we went into Yosemite Valley and just like walked around. So explored we explored a little bit. We we got to go check out um, El Capitan. We got to see a bunch of people climbing. Um, we saw the falls. We walked over to um, Half Dome and and saw that. So it was we got to spend a whole day there and kind of get the Yosemite Valley experience. That's and, cool. That's really cool. And then. Uh, next day yeah and we had talked about doing the happy isles to tuolumne meadows section as like a day hike but i think we learned pretty quickly with this trail it's just it was so logistically difficult to to plan it because we were staying in an area called june lake um so it was like it was like a three-hour bus ride into yosemite valley from there and it, the bus left at like seven in the morning and you had to be out by 5 p.m so like it just it cut our window be able to do like a day hike of 20 i think it's 20 miles and like seven thousand feet of gain um wow and we're just like yeah we're so we just kind of gave up on gave up on that idea as being too ambitious and that's an intense day hike 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's yeah. that's yep. a pretty intense day hike. And we only ran into a small handful of people <sighs> that even had like a permit to start a happy aisle. So oh wow, and they were like, "You didn't miss anything." So it's, yeah. So Ben, after doing the Colorado Trail, um, and then hopping on the JMT, you know, a year or so later. Did you feel like you were better prepared, or did you feel did you feel humbled after the experience you had on the Colorado Trail, or less intimidated, more intimidated? What what were you thinking? What was kind of going through your mind as you've officially completed and had a great experience on a big long trail, and you're hopping on to the next one? Yeah, I was. I just remember coming down. Um, to the tree line for the very last time on the Colorado trail and just thinking like, this cannot be the last time that I go above tree line at those altitudes. So I was immediately looking for a trail that, that has similar altitude and uh, obviously the JMT is so well known and and fit fit sort of within my time schedule. But yeah, I felt, I felt a lot more prepared. Um, I trained in a really specific way for the CT um, and it worked well, but I think, cardio wise I just wasn't quite there so I trained like crazy for this hike um and I think I think that paid off I think my my gear choices on this trail were were a lot better I I stripped things down like even more well you are the guru Um, so we kind of expect that to happen (laughs) yeah a lot of shivering but that's okay yeah yeah uh so gear wise training wise I felt super well prepared mentally um you know, like I said, I had kind of a scary altitude incident. Uh, it was like at 12,500 12, feet in, uh, outside of Breckenridge on the Colorado Trail. And, you know, I was fine for the rest of that trail. I think it went up to like 13.3 or something. Um, and I was fine at all those altitudes. But, you know, just in the back of my mind, I was like, can I really can I really do a 14 or you know, so the highest peak in the lower 48, Mount Whitney? Um, so that, it's just that that doubt was a little bit in the back of my mind for the whole trail. Um, well, but it was also kind of kind of the reason why I picked the trail. It's like you know, do what do what makes you scared a little bit. Yeah, I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah. I live at 700 feet above sea level. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say altitude. Uh, I, I've been at high altitudes, and the one thing I've learned is uh, one day you're fine doing it. The next day you're you might have trouble with it. Yep. Uh, yep. It's it just never. There's no way to predict altitude sickness or how your body's going to react to that. So you're always taking a chance. When you get above 12,000 feet, you're always taking a little bit of a chance that uh, you could get sick or have a terrible headache or who knows what. We, we, I know yeah. when, when I was on Kilimanjaro, we had folks that literally like turned green and oh, yeah. couldn't eat anything for a day and were a mess because of it. Then they get to this peak and they were fine. So it's, uh, yep. it's just such an odd thing. Al- altitude is just such a weird thing. Yeah, and on the Colorado Trail, it, it hit me. You know, I had felt fine for the whole first, you know, 110 miles or so. And we got to the top of this like ridge and it hit me like a lightning bolt. Like it just came out of nowhere. And I was super dizzy, super nauseous. And, but the scariest part is that I was like tripping over my feet um, on this like steep ridge and kind of couldn't kind of lost some of my motor functions. (laughs) So I just like, you know, everyone says you, if you start to get sick at altitude, you just go down. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I was tr- trying to do is just get down to an altitude to where I felt okay. But it was, a, it was just kind of a freaky incident. It was kind of my first time that high. So, and you didn't have, little... you didn't have anything like that on, on the Jamir trail. Yeah, no, nothing. I, I kept, you know, kind of bracing for impact for it to happen <laughs> the higher we got, but no, I was totally fine on this trail. And I think it's, 
I trained, like I said, I trained in a different way. I did a lot more cardio. Um, and I think just experience too. I just, I learned on the CT and Brian can tell you, I'm like a, a go, go, go kind of person. Like I don't stop to filter water or, or take many breaks. You know, I'm always just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I think that kind of came back to bite me on the CT because I just, I just was pushing too hard. And if you push yourself up, you know, a 3,500 foot climb to 13,000 feet and you haven't really done it before and you're breathing and your heart rate get completely out of control, like your body's going to freak out a little bit. So (laughs) I just tried to, you know, just take it super slow. And, um, and that, that's the approach that has worked for me at altitude is just kind of slow things down and, and let your body kind of tell you how it's feeling and give yourself time to react to it. And, and that, and that worked really well on this trail. I can imagine. So let me ask you guys both a question now. If, if somebody, I know I'm wanting to do the JMT in 2024. That's been a goal of mine for two years now that that's the year I'm going to do that. I'll be 50 at that point in time. And I'm going to celebrate turning 50 by doing the JMT. But um, just out of curiosity, what would you tell someone who's wanting to do this, how to prepare for it? And neither one of you guys can answer this. <laughs> I I would say um, you don't have to be in such a rush um, as far as what you're doing every day. Like we we pushed um, to get done by a certain time, um, but you had like the sun would come up at five and it would go down at like eight. Oh dang! So we had plenty of daylight, yeah. and so take advantage of that. Um, get up, get going, like tackle, um, like. It, it kind of worked out when we got to the section of where we had a pass every day. Like, it was just like Mirror, Mather, Pinchot, Glenn, like back to back to back to back. Um, and then Kearsarge, um, like, we would we would kind of start at the bottom of the mountain, work our way up to the pass, and then back down to the next, like, to the bottom. And, like, just take your time. Like, there were some like storms popping up, but they never really produced anything. So there were a couple times like Ben's already over the pass and like almost to camp, and I'm still like huffing and puffing up the mountain, and it's just like, uh oh, here comes the lightning. But it would never do anything, and so it's just like, all right, I'll just sit up here and chill for a minute, catch my breath, and yeah, <laughs> and then work my way down. But um, yeah, like use definitely utilize like the amount of like sunlight in the day. Like we we took off at four in the morning. To, or I, we got up at four in the morning, took off about four forty to start climbing Whitney, and we had our headlamps on for maybe fifteen minutes. Wow! And then the, like the sun was bright enough that we didn't need a, need them on anymore. Wow! So I used my headlamp a total of like fifteen minutes on the entire JMT. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think too going uh, southbound. I know sometimes those permits are a little harder to get. The northbound permits seem to be a little easier because you're getting them out of Sequoia and Kings Canyon national park, as opposed to Yosemite, which is like the busiest national park ever. Um, but southbound, uh, you kind of, you, you just, you start at lower altitudes. Like the first pass Donahue pass is 11,000 feet. And if you start from happy isles, you have a couple days before you get there. And then, you know, you have a couple passes, silver and Selden at like 11, uh, high tens. And it's not until, after Muir Trail Ranch at like mile 110, 120, that you get to Muir Pass, which is 12,000 feet. And then you have four, you know, three passes after that that are about 12,000. And then you have um, Forrester and Whitney toward the end, which are the two highest points. So you kind of just, it lets you, it lets you acclimate. I think that's, 
that's the key to altitude anyway, at least from yep. my experience, it's just time, you know, like the more time that you can spend at altitude, breathing the thinner air and letting your body produce red blood cells, you know, to suck up the oxygen. Um, that's, that's the key. It's just more time. And we, we tried to sleep too. I think at some higher elevations too, just to give ourselves more, yeah, more, um, more time, which I get kind of goes against the rule that you climb high and sleep low, but it's, it seems to work, work well. I think we spent probably a third of our nights above 10,000 feet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. That would definitely get you acclimated. Yeah. That would definitely get you acclimated. First, first night we were 10-5, I think. 10-5, mm-hmm. yep. Well, I've done this trip uh, to Holy Cross Wilderness in Colorado last year in July, and, like, we flew into Denver, but after driving up and parking the car, we were above ten or 11,000 feet, like, for all four days, and – it's so weird the altitude like the the first two days i was absolutely fine and then the third day i said like five words the whole day like my stomach was in knots i wasn't dizzy or anything no headache but you just don't feel good and then the day before some of the other guys just out of nowhere we got up to like one of the passes and then one of them is shivering. You know, there's a storm rolling in. It's like one in the afternoon, and another one's throwing up, and then a couple of us are fine and absolutely no issues, <laughs> and the only thing we could do is go down, you know? But yeah. I don't know. It's just a, such a confusing and I feel like random thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how long it takes to actually acclimate once you're up there because I remember I was living in Ecuador, and it was like 10,000 feet was the city I was living in. And after a month there, I've totally felt acclimated. I could play sports and stuff. But at the beginning, they were like, you don't even need to drink milk. You know, it might upset your stomach where where it's such a high elevation. You know, don't go run or anything like that. But it's so weird because, I don't know, it's like Ben said, like, it strikes like lightning, (laughs) you know? Yep. You just never know what to expect. Well, something else I hear that strikes like lightning are marmots. So why don't <laughs> why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about those critters that you guys run into when you're up there? How many of those do you think you saw while you were up there? Oh, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds, yeah, so many. Are they a big problem? Not if you use your bear canister correctly and keep your food stored properly. Like they, I mean, I, I had a blackbird attack a bag of peanuts. Like when we were at MTR, like doing our resupply, I left some stuff out and I was over talking to some guys and this bird comes over and just starts pecking at my bag of sugar-coated pecans. I'm like, dude, like that's mine. Get away. <laughs> um, but we, I mean, the, coming down Whitney Trail, there is a, a, a tent left unattended and unzipped and with a backpack next to it. And we sat and watched a marmot go into the tent and rummage around and then come out of the tent and then go in their backpack and rummage around and nobody there the whole time. Like, it's just like seriously wow i think as we were as we were watching that happen too i was like you know oh this is this is amateur hour like who would leave that open and then a chipmunk attacked a bag of chips in my hands so i was (laughs) immediately immediately humbled yeah this is like the whitney whitney trail like where the jmt splits or or ends i guess and you go down the whitney trail and there's i think it's trail camp and it's like it's twelve thousand feet maybe and it's like notorious for for marmots and i think we saw like a bunch of bumper stickers in the stores like beware the trail camp marmots and (laughs) pretty pretty notorious for that area even on even on trail crest like 
you start climbing up Whitney and, and you get to Trail Crest, which is where the, the Whitney Trail meets the JMT. And then you have like two miles left to the, to the summit. And a lot of people will unload like stuff out of their backpack and just do the last two miles kind of with a lighter load. And so we both emptied out, like we both left our bear cans and they were sealed and we just left them like on a ledge. And I put my Crocs on top of mine so I didn't have to carry the 10 pounds of Croc in my backpack as well. 10 pounds of Croc. And uh, like, because they were properly sealed, I don't think Ben had any food in his. He he ate everything. I was back on my, I can't eat anything. I don't have an appetite uh, kick on the trail. And uh, so I had a little bit of food in mine, but not much. But I mean, they were they were left alone. But when we got back and started loading up our backpacks again, we watched this like just big old marmot like come up, and he like he got within two feet of us. Didn't care. Like he's just like yeah, food. Explain <laughs> explain to people listening who who maybe don't know what a marmot is. Explain what a marmot is and how big they are and that kind of thing. It's it's essentially a groundhog. It's it's from the same family as a groundhog or a squirrel. Um, with a little bit longer tail, um, but you know, think about a house cat, about that size. Okay. Yep. That's so crazy. Speaking of food, um, I was going to ask. I assume y'all had around the same size bear canister, probably a bear vault canister. Um, what did the food situation look like out there? Because I've been on trail for longer than a couple weeks, and you can't take everything with you the whole time. So. You all said a little bit about logistics earlier. Did that play into the food situation as well? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So with, I mean, there are not a lot of entry or exit points off the JMT. Mm-hmm. So one thing you have to do is actually ship your resupply to a couple different places in like a five-gallon bucket. Okay. This is like in the movie. John, you're talking yeah, about mile, mile and a half. Yeah, they had the yep. five gallon buckets to resupply. Yeah, so so Ben actually, I, I sent him a grocery list, and he went and picked up all of our food, and oh, then nice. put them in the bucket, and then shipped them. So we did we did two shipments: one to Red's Meadow, and then one to uh, Muir, Tra- Muir Trail Ranch. That's and, the really popular one that a lot of people talk about. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. Red Red's. So we had basically two and a half days skipped to Red's Meadow, picked up that resupply. And then uh, that was a three-day resupply. And then from there, that got us to Muir Trail Ranch. And that was a five-day resupply. Uh-huh. And that's when you're starting to hit all your big your big passes. You're entering Kings Canyon. So you got Muir, Mather, Pinchot, and, and Glen, like back to back to back to back. Uh-huh. And then that gave us enough food to get over Kearsarge Pass to take our zero day into Bishop, where we just went to a grocery store and got our final three days of resupply. Sure. Yeah. So at one point yeah. you were carrying five days worth of food with you. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. And it didn't. I fit know a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of folks do like a ten day, eleven day food carry on the JMT, and I, I think because we did a, maybe a six, six or seven day carry on the Colorado Trail, and I was just like never again. So I think logistically our our resupply strategy worked pretty well. Like we. We had a pretty short, I think it was like two-day carry, maybe three-day carry to Reds, short carry to, to Muir Trail Ranch, and then the, the five days, which wasn't wasn't terrible. It still kind of sucked, but I highly recommend Kearsarge Pass 
is it's Kearsarge Pass Trail. It goes, it's, it's a side trail off of the JMT, but it's like seven and a half miles over a beautiful pass that's pretty easy compared to the other passes. And you walk this really nice graded trail down to Onion Valley, and you can easily hitch into the town of Independence or Bishop and take a day off, you know, get get some groceries for the, the final push. It's just um, so much better than carrying 10 or 11 days of food. I can't imagine. Yeah. So well, much weight. considering how the, the miles you guys were doing, how nice was that day off? Wow. So good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean, yeah, you guys, great... like, like I said, you guys were, you guys weren't taking it easy. Like you were going after it on this trail. Most people don't do that when they do the JMT. So I can only imagine what a zero day would have been like yeah. for you guys. And, and we squeezed in some kind of like, I, not necessarily Nero's, but they were kind of like treat nights. We got to Red's Meadow and actually took the bus into Mammoth Lakes, got a hotel there so we could shower after three days. Um, and just the amount of dirt that was on us those first three days was ridiculous. Um, and then we, uh, we took a side trail to VVR, which is Vermilion Valley uh, Resort, and they actually pick you up in like a fishing boat and take you across this lake. And the guy was like, full disclosure, there's a small hole in the bottom of my boat, um, but we'll be okay. You know, no life jackets, no, mm-hmm. no, uh, nothing. Um, five of us in this little fishing boat and the guy driving and, and, uh, you get there, it's like free camping, free beer, um, or the first one's free, but then they like nickel and dime everything else. Like they yeah. have like a, a, a decent resupply, um, like $8 for an eight minute shower, which we didn't do, um, $8 for laundry. $25 for internet, which we Ooh. also didn't do. Uh, but the whole place is just run off generators. Yeah. So it's like yeah. 10, o'clock, 10 to 7, like they shut everything off. So it's all gas. Like that's why they have to charge so much because they're, yeah. they're running everything off of gas. But the the food, oh my goodness, yeah, the dinner. That's awesome. The dinner was, was I so took good. a picture of the dinner because it was just, it was beautiful. And I remember, the whole place, yeah. I remember go ahead, uh, go ahead. The, the night before our zero, <laughs> I was like, you know what I'm thinking about? And it's like, what? I'm like, if I should have bought a second dinner that night or not, <laughs> it's like I was. That's awesome. I was craving like real food so bad. I was like so tired of like my ramen, and so I was like, I just want, I just want real food. Yeah, it's like crazy good barbecue with potatoes and salad, and it was awesome. It was like adult adult summer camp at VVR is how it was described to us, and we were, and we were like, we're go, we're going. Oh, that's great. So <laughs> okay. Awesome. So we got about 10 minutes left. So I want to I want to ask this is a real, for me this is an important question. What is the one part of the trail that you loved the most? What was the one place on the trail that if you could just write about that one place what would it be? Yeah, for me, I hate, hate to sound like a broken record, but it was um the day that we did the golden staircase up to Mather. Um the golden staircase part kind of sucked, but you know, just hot and steep. But Mather Pass was was challenging, and um, getting to the top, you know, I was completely by myself on the top, which was so cool. The view is so epic from the top of Mather Pass, and it was, like, super sunny on the one side, and then the minute that you cross over to the other, it's, like, super dark because the mountain was blocking the sun, and these crazy switchbacks down, and, and our campsite that night was just, it, it was like we were camping on, like, the surface of the moon, like, just crazy alpine views um for miles and miles and miles that that's the that was the highlight for me that area was just so beautiful palisade lakes and it was it was amazing 
yeah, that was it was funny because I, I, of course, I'm like an hour behind Ben on the trail, and I, I get up Mather Pass, and and you come up over it and you look down, and it just looks like a giant crater on the moon. Yeah, like you, you can't even see like the bottom of the mountain; it just kind of levels out, and and you start down, and it just felt like a giant crater. And Ben's like, "You can see my tent." I'm like, "All I see are rocks. <laughs> and the tent's gray." So, rocks, yeah. Um, uh, for me, like, because we talked about it a little bit on trail, and at the time, it was just like my favorite. My favorite moment was her day off. But, um, <laughs> but no, I for me, it was. I I think it was Forrester Pass, and I've I've had to like kind of really think about it because I had Forrester Pass to myself. Um, it it took me a little bit longer to get up there. I I just wasn't motivated that day and like I knew we were on it's weird because when I get close to being done with the trail I I kind of want to sabotage it so it doesn't end and even though I was ready for this one to be over like I I wanted to quit a couple times but like knowing that I was going to finish and and climbing up Forrester Pass and that's like kind of the most famous pass on the trail and PCT hikers and everything and um, I was just kind of struggling at first to get up there but when I got to the top I was the only one up there and and it's it's weird because you get up there and it's like you have a little area to the left and then the trail kind of goes to the right but right in the middle is just like a like a two thousand foot drop yeah and like it's called the chute because when it snows a lot like it fills up with snow and ice and you have to be real careful in that area but I'm I'm sitting up there on top of Forrester and I'm just like this this has really happened like huh. I've just climbed the biggest pass. Like Whitney is two days away, like I didn't quit. Like I'm now in this place that like I've heard about from all these like PCT hikers that I've listened to on podcast, and like I'm in this moment by myself. And and there's a little sign there that says Forrester Pass, thirteen thousand two hundred feet. And I'm like still not the highest I've ever been. I was a little higher on the Colorado Trail, but it said entering Sequoia National Park. And I'm just like my mind just went to the spear bikes and return of the Jedi. I'm like, is this like filmed in that area? The big Sequoia trees. That's great. And I'm just like, sweet. Ewoks. There's Ewoks close by. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I like having, having Forster to myself and coming down and, and uh, we, we camped at this little pond up on a, it's uh, called Longhorn Plateau and there are Longhorn sheep in the area, but we didn't see them. But I'm um, coming down there and it was just like, we were set up for like Whitney and it was just, it was just a cool moment. Like I, one guy passed me and he's just like, yeah, flash looked like he was just not having fun. And, and that was partly true, but then getting up on top, like it was just, it was a special moment. Well, I have a very important question as well. What, what did the poop situation look like? It had to come trip. up at some point, didn't it? Yeah, we, yeah, is, we it, might as well wrap it's up. It's not with the this. backpacking podcast if we don't talk about poop at some point. So, <laughs> so we got we got a no pun intended a little bit of taste of the poop uh, earlier today while we we're eating lunch. I don't know Brian if that's the talking. right way to talk about that. We got a taste of poop at lunch. Hmm. <laughs> we did eat skyline. We did eat skyline <laughs> chili. That's true. Oh, so yeah. um, I tr- I try to play this little game on trail. Uh, where I don't poop in the woods. Call it the don't poop in the woods game. <laughs> and uh, it's a fun game. Sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. <laughs> and uh, I was curious, did you all have any uh, interesting, funny, or gross moments when it comes to this particular trail on the poop situation? I'll let you go first, Ben. 
<laughs> oh, he sounds like he's locked and loaded. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, funny trails. No, I'm a, I'm a pretty pretty proud trail pooper. It's it's uh it's part of the process. But I think probably the the worst moment for me was I, what was the, I'm trying to remember the name of that the campsite. Um, it was where there were like bear boxes and a ton of people. Oh, right after um, the bridge. Yeah, I think it was right before, like at the bottom of Forester Pass, maybe. No, it was um, uh, it was a uh, Glen Pass. Yeah, Glen at the bottom of Glen. Yeah, and we like we didn't really want to camp there, but it's like it's right after this big suspension bridge, and it's kind of this junction with another popular trail. Um, and so there were like a million people there, and it's like trying to find a place to go to the bathroom there is it's pretty pretty tough. And I think we we had heard from somewhere that there was like a pit toilet there, so we were all excited. But there was, was no pit toilet, so um, usually I'm like, you know, the routine is pretty, pretty set in stone for me. You know, get up in the morning and take care of business. But that morning it was just like I think, you know, we were pretty close to our resupply. Is that right? Or to getting off at Bishop? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. The moment just hit hit very hard that morning, and there are like 50 people around and like nowhere to go. And so I like literally like sprinted over this little hill to try to get like as low as possible. And, you know, I could still see campsites all around me, but like the, the moment was, it was there. It was upon me. There was nothing I could do. <laughs> so just, just took care of business, tried not to have anybody see me. Um, but, but overall not too bad. What, what made that morning uh, particularly hard? And that was the first day I actually pooped in the woods um, <laughs> was the night before there was an REI group that, that were, camping in the yep. same area and the lady leading the group had made this huge like vegetarian dish that had all kinds of like good stuff including like she kept mentioning the toasted was it toasted pecans because mm-hmm. that came or, out, uh, cash, that, cashews yeah toasted cashews because that came up later like or came out <laughs> later i should say uh, uh, that's I, I was like i know where this is going yeah I know where this is going uh, but it was a, she she offered us the leftovers because i guess she was camping like up there next to us and the rest of the group was camping closer to the river and and so we got my my uh, cook pot and she just loaded it up and we just both ate out of it and it was delicious whatever it was yeah. um but yeah that night we uh we camped uh right in the intersection of the jam tea and the uh, bullfrog lake trail um to set ourselves up for going over Kearsarge and get out to our zero. And, and that was like, yep, can't hold it anymore. And I, I found a, a tree that had burned in the middle. So it kind of made like a natural, natural toilet, but um, oh, nice. that helped. But uh had to go a couple more times, like that last little stretch. But the worst was the day we climbed Whitney. Um, I had to go from the get go and there was nowhere to go. We're like camped at Guitar Lake. You have to have a wag bag, um, which I had, um, <coughs> But there's just no place like, without people present yeah. that you can go. Right. And uh, so we're we're going down the Whitney uh, Portal Trail, and I remember calling you, and you're you're like Bible school, and and I'm just like, <laughs> dude, movie concept, the sequel to Speed. We'll call it Speed Three. No, no, no bus, no boat. It's all about hiking, and if you go under three miles an hour, you poop yourself. Oh, my god! Based on a true story about yeah. me right now. Yep, <laughs> yep. So I'm, like, running down this mountain, and it's, like, a horrible trail, but, like, I had to go so bad, and I get down to the bottom. There's pit toilets, and those things were absolutely destroyed. Yeah. And, I, and 
Ben comes out of one, and he's just like, there's no toilet paper. You just have to suck it up. And I'm like, thank goodness I stole some toilet paper from that last hotel we stayed at because, like, I needed it. <laughs> and it was uh, – it was. So what were you using the rest of the time, or did you just run out of toilet paper by that point? No, I, I, still, I had uh, – well, yeah, Ben's is grosser. Like, I had toilet paper. <laughs> I, I had to have toilet paper. What would you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the crazy – lightweight gear dudes i i do the uh andrew skirka backcountry today ah, method, so. which leaves and stuff ama- amazingly yeah leaves and you know just a little spritzing uh some water back there and you're good to go so, so and uh camp you know like uh dr bronner's soap is a critical part of the process well, i would works, hope works so. great <laughs> i would hope so <laughs> yeah he's yep. probably cleaner than all of us man no joke dude <laughs> he's got no soap he's got the bidet works great it's well, super leave no trace like it's all it's everything so absolutely absolutely well guys thank you so much for being on here this has been this has been good i think we probably could have gone two hours to be honest with you yeah my favorite part is uh we're in this public place with people and brian's talking about, <laughs> talking about situation. Cashews, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i had a great time man this is really fun yeah, this has been great. Uh, ben, glad to have you on here. For those who, who don't know, this is not a video episode. This is solely an audio episode. So uh, people wanting to get on YouTube and watch us, you're not going to get to see this on YouTube. Yeah, I'll, I still have it on YouTube, but uh, it won't have – it'll just probably have a picture of each of us. Yeah, it'll probably just have the pictures on there. It might but, be a uh, great picture that Brian took of the trail. That might be a good, like a picture of Mount Whitney. Yeah. Holding yeah. up a sign because I saw that picture. Yeah, and there's one of both of us holding it too. So yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, I might steal some of that and throw that in. I think uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So, uh, guys, it was good chatting with you. What's the next? Are you are you both doing the long trail together, or is that just you, Brian? That's just me. And that's in a yeah, couple weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks, but we're going to swing by and uh, and visit Ben on our way up. So, nice, Ben. Oh, do you cool. do uh, any content creation or anything like that? Any any place that people can uh, follow you or see any of your photos from this trip? Yeah, just I just have Instagram. It's um at it's just Ben hikes the CT. Ben hikes the Colorado Trail. I made it for my Colorado Trail hike last year, and have just like now filled it with my photography and climbing videos and uh, other hikes. So <laughs> the name doesn't Very quite cool. fit, but awesome. What about you, Brian? Uh, I'm at Carpetech on the Instagram. So and I I got all my pictures on there as well. So C A R P Carpetech. Yep. Awesome. And he is the president, we'll call it that, of Smoky Trail Signs. So, you know, Carpenter's Woodworks. Um, yeah, and that's linked on my um, Instagram as well. So. Yep. And you got to check that stuff out. If you haven't, if you guys haven't checked that stuff out, seriously, like, go check it out and then spend a lot of money. Yeah. That, that's, that helps Brian do these trails. Yeah, it does. That's right. <laughs> Christmas will be here before you know it. Yeah. Might as well get a jump on it now. That's right. That's going to get a much more swanky hotel for him when he's on the long trail. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you want to split it eight ways next time. I won't, I won't have to stay with the uh, the cult and uh, the uh, yellow belly cult. <laughs> stay in the hotel instead. Well, for myself and Jeremiah, thanks for tuning in. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Adios, folks.